So I welcome to this podcast from Zurich on sustainable supply chains. Uh, my name is, is Alan Ross and I'll be your host uh, for today. Uh, the focus on ESG and sustainability is increasing. Uh, customers, employees, investors and regulators all seem to have increased expectations of, of our organisations uh, and, and those expectations are still increasing. Um, and that includes what happens in the extended organisation through our supply chains. And I guess the challenge is, is how do we identify, prioritise and, and then manage sustainability in the supply chain? And to answer those questions, uh, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, three subject matter experts. We have uh, Namdi Ahuchugo, uh, who is our supply chain specialist in Zurich Resilience Solutions. Uh, we have Chris Minter, who is our Head of Sustainable Sourcing for Zurich Insurance Group, and Spencer Owen, who is the Head of Commercial Claims Relationship Management in the UK. Uh, welcome to you all. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. I, I guess starting starting off, Namdi, um, what, what do we actually mean by sustainability in the context of supply chain management? Well, um, I think first and foremost, um, Alan, it's probably important to point out that uh, sustainability and, and, and the term ESG, it means different things for different organizations. Uh, but in the broad term of definition of sustainability in the supply chain, it's effectively looking um, at the deeper impact of, of sourcing and supply chain activities um, that are carried out by organizations and the impact that it has um, on its people, on the climate um, and, and the environment. And also, um, a lot of organizations also look at the context of ethical procurement as well, um, in addition to sustainability, because it works um, um, quite well hand in hand. Um, and when we think about ethical procurement, um, this rever refers to um, uh, processes that respect fundamental international standards um, against things like uh, criminal conduct activities like bribery, corruption, fraud, um, also looking at things like uh, human rights abuse, um, links to uh, links to modern slavery, um, and effectively how the organisation re responds uh, immediately to these sorts of matters when they're identified, and they put the necessary steps in process to ensure that they remove these sort of risks um, within their supply chain. Um, supply chains can be complex, uh, and the increased complexity of the supply chains means um, it's a bit more challenging for um, organisations to manage that that sustainability element in 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 their supply chains. Okay, thank you. Uh, Chris? Yeah, sure. Well, Alan, to be honest, I agree with much of what Namdi has said there, but at least if I share with you how we at Zurich define sustainability in the context of our supply chain as an insurance company, um, we applied the traditional ESG uh, framework for sustainability risks, and we've established a sustainable sourcing program by which we aim to embed sustainability in our supply chain. The key focus areas under our sustainable sourcing initiative include environmental initiatives, so we partner with suppliers to reduce environmental impacts, and climate change for us is a material ESG issue of concern for our company, so we prioritise the engagement with our suppliers to have them reduce their emissions and set science-based targets to eventually commit to net zero. From a social perspective, we absolutely promote a respect for human rights and engage suppliers to promote high labour standards, and we also embrace supply diversity through our inclusive and socially focused procurement practices and we engage with social enterprises and diverse suppliers 
uh, wherever wherever there's an opportunity to do so. And finally, from a governance perspective, we have a robust supply governance framework at Zurich. We carry out detailed due diligence and supply management practice on our suppliers. And really, we aim to promote ethical business outcomes and compliance with real key legal topics such as data protection and cybersecurity. Okay, so it's, it's it's about also that influencing uh, within the within the supply chain as well, and and uh, and influencing uh, what other organisations do. Exactly, yeah, because our suppliers sit outside of our operational boundary. We don't have necessarily have direct control over them. I mean, we, of course, we can choose the suppliers that we do business with, but we really have a strong role to play in influencing them to adopt these more sustainable practices. Yeah, I mean, it's very aligned to, to what Chris and Namdi have said. I mean, from a from a claims-specific perspective, we're very much uh, focused on working with partners who are, who are very much aligned to our sustainability ambitions. Um, and, and certainly in the last 18 months, two years, we've been heavily focused on, on repair versus replace. So I think it, historically it was always, yes, we'll look to replace an item um, or replace a particular piece of equipment, but we've been very much focused on, okay, let's, let's see if there are uh, other repair options available. We've been um, we've introduced green parts, so recycled parts for vehicles over three years old, um, so that actually customers have that, they have the option to make a sustainable choice. It's not it's 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 a sell, not a compel. Um, but it's it's really about using our supply chains um, to provide more sustainable options. And, and just from a, a personal lines perspective, um, you know, even just uh, um, instead of offering a replacement vehicle, if you have a motor motor incident, um, you know, offering bike vouchers or Uber vouchers. So it's just it's increasing through our supply chain the number of options that we can that we can offer. Uh, from a sustainability perspective and in commercial lines we've been working closely with loss adjusters on sort of build back better initiatives so really looking at not just about just reinstating as is but if there's a way of reinstating in a smarter way either better protection or changing layouts or remodeling buildings to avoid these losses occurring in the future and, and ultimately customers you know from a claims relationship management perspective customers are you know they're asking the question. They are challenging us on who we use in our supply chain, um, and, and it's it's certainly been more frequent in our in our customer conversations. So customers really driving this as well as as is coming from us. Yes. And if if I guess there's, there's lots of things that organisations could be doing in this area, isn't there? If if they are sort of early on in their journey, um, I guess we we what should they be doing first? Chris, what what should organisations be focusing on the kind of foundation stones, if you like, of uh, sustainability? Yeah, so I guess if we reflect on the approach that we've taken at Zurich and what we do first, the first activity we undertook was a materiality assessment, basically to identify which sustainability topics under the ESG framework mattered most to us. And we prioritised the issues based upon what's, yeah, what's most material to our business, and then we've aligned the time and resources to those, it's it's pretty much impossible to to um, to address all of the issues that you identify from from the start. So the materiality assessment helped us prioritise, as I say, what mattered most, and we focused our attention around those. In doing that, and in reviewing what matters most, we spoke to uh, we spoke to customers, we spoke to our our suppliers, of course, we spoke to a number of other external and internal stakeholders, and looked right across our industry to make sure the approach that we came up with was uh, was aligned with best practice and then once we understood 
the key issues of concern for us, we built an action plan to address them, in particular, starting with defining a supplier code of conduct um, and ensured that we had a manageable scope for the rest of the deliverables for the program. With our action plan defined, we built the business case and sought strong executive buy-in from the sustainability leaders that we have in the company, really to get the, the seal and endorsement that this, that this was the right thing to do. And in particular, uh, to support our change management and engagement efforts across the business, because this isn't something that just uh, that just happens. It's an ongoing journey, and the business and change management aspect is pretty significant. Yeah, so that this isn't something that someone disappears into a darkened room and uh, comes up with a, a framework. There's a lot of engagement necessary here to understand what the issues are and then to put in place that action plan to, to address those issues. Exactly, exactly. And also the you know the materiality assessment needs to be updated. So we first carried out ours a couple of years ago and you know, we keep a constant eye on evolving threats and opportunities to make sure that our approach remains valid. Oh, that's uh, that's a uh, very very valid points that that Chris raises um, about the Zurich journey in terms of um, embedding uh, sustainable procurement within the organisation. I think as a general framework um, in terms of what organisations can do and what steps they can take is I think one one really good thing is that there are lots of organisations out there that have put a put a sustainable procurement and supply chain map in place within their organisations. It's worth reaching out to these organisations. And, and benchmarking what they've done um, and understanding what level of expertise and what insights those organizations can 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 provide um, to, to others. Um, preferably non-governmental organizations, um, they offer valuable insights um, uh, when it's difficult to get them internally within your organization. Um, NGOs can also add a, a lot of credibility as well um, to sustainability efforts. Um, by certifying certain products um, and and confirming that those products are from some from sustainable sources, um, speaking to your suppliers as well, and I think Chris broadly touched on this um, was about engaging with the supply base and letting them understand what your um, company's journey is along the along the lines of um, embedding sustainability within within the supply chain um, and the key is to get a level of agreement and a level of alignment with with, with your supply base in terms of what you're trying to achieve from a sustainability perspective um, what we found um, in industry is that a good way to do this is by establishing a sustainable procurement uh, policy within your organization um, which shows a clear commitment to what you're doing um, and what actions you're going to put in place within your organizations to get you along that path of achieving, achieving sustainability. It's not an easy journey, it's not a quick journey, but it's all about starting, um, starting somewhere. Um, and further, further along this conversation, we can talk about some of the ways that we can help from a zero perspective um, to, to, to help organizations achieve, achieve that uh, or start to achieve uh, some element of sustainability uh, within, within their supply chains. So, so, so I guess the flip side of that is there might be other organisations who think we're actually relatively mature. We're kind of we've started our journey. We might have done our materiality assessment. We know what the issues are, and we're we're working on them. If if a, if an organisation is in that sort of more uh, mature or developed approach, what what should they be focusing on? Well, if they're more mature, um, if they have a program in place, I think the next focus then shifts to um, consistent auditing of their processes, consistent auditing of their supply chains. Because um, we are in an evolving landscape. We're in a landscape where things are changing from a day-to-day -day basis. So keeping their supply chain current, and I think, again, Chris mentioned about 
um, some of these things that are done uh, within within our organisation. Uh, but it's about ensuring that um, you're you're keeping an eye on what's going on uh, within your supply chain to the best of your ability. Uh, and the best way to do this is 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 consistently auditing your pre uh, your, your processes, auditing your supply chains. Um, and if something does change, so for some reason down the line you have to change or switch suppliers or or, or change uh, your product profile that means that you're engaging in a completely new supply chain then it's it's important to to assess that supply chain right from the beginning um to understand where your potential risk points uh, from a sustainability perspective are um, and then also engaging that new organization to 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 understand your journey and from your perspective what you hope to achieve um down down the sustainability line and and chris this we we're a services organization and clearly this impacts us this isn't just about um what we might think of as traditional supply chain in terms of you know things be physical goods being transported from location a to location b that, that this affects all types of organizations Completely right, Alan. And sustainable sourcing for us at Zurich started off as almost, um, you know, a nice to have an optional feature, but it's an integ it's now an integral part of what we do at Zurich. Um, culturally, of course, it supports our broader sustainability ambitions that we have as a company. But increasingly, there's a regulatory focus from this, and there's there's a huge amount really of um, of, of regulation in the pipeline, particularly in Europe, that are going to require companies to have a far more structured approach to, to sustainability. So it's not just uh, a nice to have, you know, a, um, yeah, an, an optional feature of procurement. It needs to be in the future uh, for, every, for every company, regardless of whether a services or a manufacturing or, or whatever, really. It needs to be an integral part of how they, how they work with suppliers, how they do their procurement and manage their supply chains. And, and we've, we've touched on ESG frameworks. Are those an effective way of managing sustainability? How, how, do, how do those fit into the picture? Yes, Alan, yes, I'd, I'd agree. So the ESG framework is basically, it's a risk management framework for sustainability risks. And it provided us at Zurich a decent structure to determine which are the most relevant sustainability risks for our supply chain. And therefore it drove which areas we focused upon. Um, in particular, it was helpful to define our sustainable sourcing framework and our supplier code of conduct and the code of conduct that we set out with or for our suppliers sets clear expectations um, for sustainability standards in their organizations aligned to the most substantial and material risks that we that, that we've identified um, I mean often in my view at least the SG framework does come on does come into some criticism um, Unfairly in some cases, because I think it's really about one understanding what ESG is and what it's intended to be used for. And as I said in my opening uh, opening answer, it's a risk management framework for sustainability risks. Um, and a lot of the criticism in particular is because of the ESG ratings uh, and the increasing popularity of these as a means to measure sustainability. But as I mentioned, ESG is measuring the um, is measuring the preparedness or the ability of a company to transition to a more sustainable uh, a sustainable company. It's not measuring the goodness of that organisation. It's managing how prepared they are to deal with these ESG risks. Okay, and, and I guess that explains why you sometimes get sort of maybe on the surface level uh, counterintuitive, you know, one organisation who you would think is really uh, should have a, a poor ESG rating perhaps, 
you know, having a beta rating in an organisation that is kind of completely different in a completely different sector. Yeah, exactly. And it's a good example probably is an oil company. Many of the very established oil and energy companies have very strong ESG ratings, which kind of sounds a bit counterintuitive, but it's because they have very strong governance often, detailed transition plans that demonstrate that they have very strong uh, risk management practices in place to manage these sustainability risks. Yeah, and I, and I, I think if we look at a, a typical example, you know, just specifically focusing on the fashion industry, we know that the fashion industry in itself um, has been fraught with um, lots of different challenges um, um, around um, the, the, the manufacture of garments in, in some certain countries and the use of, uh, um, of, uh, of child labour, issues around modern slavery. Um, however, lots of organisations have now started to, to, to tackle that issue by understanding their supply chain, understanding where the labour is coming from that supports the supply chains. And if there's any sort of ill practices or bad practices within the organizations, um, they disassociate, disassociate themselves uh, from those supply chains uh, fairly quickly. Um, um, but obviously you have to understand that you are inadvertently contributing to that sort of challenge within the supply chain before you then act upon on upon doing something uh, something different. Um, again, another, another typical industry is is around precious metals and uh, and, and conflict minerals. Uh, it's a big challenge for them to understand where these materials are produced, how they're produced, and whether they come from sustainable sources or um, they're manufactured in an ethical manner. Um, so, but it's about understanding that and, and thinking about how they can do things differently. Um, so you can take it very simply, or you can be it can be very complex um, as well. So there's a lot of trying to understand and trying to get that transparency about where these issues lie or risks lie within the, the, the supply chain, across the supply chain. Absolutely, Alan. Uh, transparency is key. And 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 as Spencer, I'm just wondering, some listeners might be thinking, you know, Zurich, you're an insurer, you know, how, how does this affect my risk profile if I'm looking to, you know, place insurance with Zurich or any other um, a provider for that matter? What, what are the benefits I mean, I mean, taking it from um, taking it from a claims perspective. I mean, particularly over the last couple of years, with the various sort of social, economic, and political um, challenges we've had, you know, globally, uh, supply chain issues have been very much at the forefront. You know, from a from a claims perspective, also from a news perspective, uh, and 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 typically, you know, putting it in simplest terms, parts and labour shortages will lead to um, you know extended reinstatement times in that's from something as simple as a, as a, as a motor vehicle you know the, the inability to access a wiring loom or um, uh, particular chips leads to off-road times being extended and then that leads to indirect costs for businesses to either try and you know hire vehicles etc um, but uh, to, to something as, as, as you know as fundamental as a, as a major building being offline for much longer than, than anticipated uh, and what we've seen flowing through is is really claims inflation so you know being able to monitor your overall cost of risk is much more challenging if you have less certainty of your supply chain or your ability to to reinstate should, should something happen and, and and certainly what we're starting to see, um, you know, we're starting to see much more focus on uh, from from um, an environmental risks. Um, certainly, even this week, we've had um, a couple of uh, 
DNO notifications where litigation funders are, are pursuing ESG related recovery um, uh, US class actions. So we're starting to see um, perhaps the, the the traditional risks changing um, and, and focusing much more on sustainability and governance. Um, so so yes, we, we is is definitely changing risk profiles. And, and I think what we've been working on um, for, for some time now uh, and, and customers get, get real value from it is trying to get in front of um, or anticipate some of the challenges that, that, that could be faced. Um, and we've been, um, we've been facilitating sort of large loss scenario planning or pre-loss scenario planning workshops um, to look at say, either traditional risks or, or perhaps some of the emerging risks uh, and working with our colleagues in Zurich Resilient Services working with underwriters, um, claims teams, customers, brokers. So really getting everyone around the table in a, in a, in a very sort of safe environment to, to discuss um, what could happen in the event of, of, of a loss um, and seeing where those, um, where those um, potential areas are that uh, could cause challenges um, and seeing how we can address those. Um, and then at the other end of the scale, doing a similar sort of exercise following a major loss to see what lessons can be learned so trying to build in that pre-event resilience and and and, and post post event learning so so yeah it, sustainability in supply chain can have quite wide reaching impacts and they're not always immediately apparent um, but those sorts of exercises can really um, um really focus the mind and re really bringing people together, I suppose. I, I mean, li listeners might be listening to this and thinking, yeah, this all sounds wonderful, but there's, you know, what are the actual practical challenges of, of implementing s some of the things that we've talked about here? And, and I suppose, how can they overcome maybe some of those challenges? And I guess, yeah, I mean, it's probably time, resource and, and cost are the, are the main ones. Um but I think, uh, and I can imagine that the conversations between a risk manager to a you know, CFO, for example, you know, trying to secure investment for this sort of activity. Um, but they're, you know, we're increasingly having conversations with customers that, you know, in, customers are increasingly expecting this. Um, there's the potential for reputational, serious reputational impact, which Danby's um, referenced earlier. And also that loss of opportunity or loss of loss of potential contracts if these uh, if 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 the the appropriate focus on ESG and supply chain sustainability isn't isn't uh, inherent within the within the organisation. Yeah, Spencer, I, I agree with you. I agree with you completely on that. From a customer perspective, if you look at Jurix customers, um, we're being asked in procurement often when we're responding to customers' inquiries about our sustainability sustainable sourcing practices and similarly us as a customer to other companies we're asking uh, the same types of questions of our of our suppliers so it's like a you know it's a circle we all have to together up our practices in this space and just to add to what uh, what chris and, and spencer have said one that i kind of toyed with whether to talk about this in this in this in this podcast or not is cost because um um, there's a there's a big conversation around or oh, costs. You know, implementing sustainability, implementing ESG is is costly within supply chains. But there's an argument to also say that yes, it may be costly, but you over a long term period you save you save you save money from being better aligned, better resilient, less vul vulnerability to to disruptions. And because you've not created any any reputational damage, people will tend to come 
to your organizations to source products and to ensure that that they, they know where that product is coming from and it's coming from a, a sustainable and, and, and an ethical uh, source. Um, as we said, we've all said within the, within within the core, it's it's not going to go away. It's here to stay. Legislation is fast kicking in. It's kicked in in, in several parts of Europe, and and the UK is not going to be far far away. Um, and just to quickly touch on uh, from a ZRS a Zurich Resilient Solutions perspective, um, we have a supply chain product that typically uh, uh, looks at um, ethical um, and sustainable uh, uh, procurement of supply chains. Um, we assess um, and provide your organization's feedback on uh, uh, on sustainability within your procurement function. We actually use the ESG pillars and the ESG frameworks to provide this service, and it's all about assessing where your organization is and providing risk mitigation actions um, uh, and, and risk improvement actions uh, to sort of help you um, on, on that journey towards achieving sustainability within, within your supply chains. Thank you. And uh, th thanks to all of you. Thanks, Namdi. Thanks, Chris. And thanks, Spencer, for uh, sharing your insight on this uh, dynamic and, and changing topic. I'm sure we'll return to it again in, in the future. And uh, thanks to all of you who have listened. Um, this is one of a, a series of podcasts on supply chain and other risk issues. Uh, so if you've found it useful, please do subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts and consider leaving us a, a positive rating. And for uh, more information, you can visit us at zurich.co.uk forward slash news and insight. <laughs>